welcome to the CISO Diaries. I'm Leah, and I am here with my co-host, Sia. A quick shout out to our sponsor, Cyber Future Foundation. They are a nonprofit think tank with the mission to build a safer and more trusted cyber world. Our special guest today, Sean Bowen, he was the first ever Chief Information Security Officer for the U.S. Marine Corps. He was also recognized this year as the top 100 CISO winner. He's an advisor at YL Ventures, a STEM advocate, and he's currently the CISO at World Fuel Services. Sean, we are so honored and lucky to have you on our show. How are you doing today? Pretty well, but I want to make one correction. I was the first CISO for Marine Corps Intel. Ray Latier is an uh, awesome CISO for the Marine Corps uh, as a whole. So, Okay, I just simply want to say, we're not worthy. We're not no, worthy. No, no. <laughs> And thank you for your service. Thank you for your yes, service. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, so I did. I am, I am a, not, that wasn't my Marine Corps time, though. Uh, I was a reservist. I'm kind of still a reservist in the Air Force doing cyber warfare uh, stuff. Well, now information warfare. They just can't get rid of you then, huh? <laughs> no, I tried to retire two years ago. They said no. Um, but now they've accepted my retirement. They said, happily, we'll get rid of you. <laughs> oh yeah, you're probably keeping on tabs of everything with the what NATO first that happened recently. But yeah. okay, I know you've written about this before, Sean. Um, but you know, not everyone has probably seen it. But how the heck did you get into cybersecurity in the first place? Oh, okay. So which blog post you're talking about? So that goes way back, even before cybersecurity. Um, August of uh, 1995, I was staying with my dad. My parents were divorced. I was staying with my dad. I remember watching the news and, and CompUSA was having a real big uh, uh, line outside for Windows 95 being released. And I didn't know much about computers, but I, you know, I had, I had kind of an 8088, you know, old five and a quarter uh, boot to floppy type thing. And um, I asked my dad, like, we should go there. I want to go to that thing. So my dad being a, a good parent and trying to you know, spark the fire of whatever I was interested in, uh, took me to CompUSA at midnight and we got uh, Windows 95 and he said, oh, we'll install it tomorrow. And of course he went to sleep and like a good teenager, I said, well, I could just do this. I'll install it on his computer. And I stayed up all night installing it. And that kind of started um, the critical thinking uh, uh, that I felt like I'm naturally uh, capable of doing was just aligned with the computers. It just made sense. Like it, it wasn't, I'm not very good at arts and dance and music and all that stuff. That's it, not logical to me. There's not a, a binary set. And so computers kind of just worked and it fit for me. It was, it was either do this or do that. And um, that kind of sparked my computers and led me into network engineering, uh, com- you know, a lot of on the engineering side, IT ops and stuff. Uh, started teaching it. And it just, I love the problem that I had to solve uh, with computers. And then in the mid 2000s, security kind of was the additional duty for everyone. You know, there were not a lot of companies had dedicated security functions or even the government. There's an additional duty that someone got stuck with. Um, and admittedly, I got stuck with a, an audit and I'm like, this sucks. And then as we went through the audit, I learned a lot of uh, that the challenge that the the problem that needed to be solved with um, security was far more complex than it was for ops. And now uh, I want to be clear that all the ops and the engineers have a very difficult job. I'm not saying it's harder or easier, um, but it was just for me, computers became, you know, build a switch, put this program on, you know, put this settings on it, 
plug these things in, build a computer, plug these things in, and you were just troubleshooting things that you might not have done correctly. Um, but the security components of it were infinite. Um, it was kind of like a crime in the sense of one single hack or one single violation or even an employee just not doing something right. Um, from one employee to another employee it could be the exact same thing. They downloaded something, they shouldn't have to a USB drive, but everything behind it was completely different. And that problem solving was just really interesting to me. And that led my journey into more dedicated security functions, uh, went from a regional engineer designing the whole WAN and, and uh, LAN se- sections for some classified programs with uh, the space uh, Air Force Space at the time and Mr. Defense Agency and it led me to going, I want to be a dedicated security person uh, and started doing security engineering, led the security teams, uh, Pentagon, uh, uh, the Army kind of ran some of the Pentagon's infrastructure. So I ran the security teams for the Pentagon there. And, and it was just, it was infinite problems that sometimes we caused ourselves and other times we're outsiders. And it was just, it was a lot of fun for me that the, the problem solving of security still today, it's, um, it's, it's a wicked problem, uh, you know, mm-hmm. difference between complex and wicked problems, wicked problems. We were never going to solve them. Um, and, and that's, uh, unfortunate, you know, in security, I think that we will never solve all of the security problems. And, and for the person who wants to be satisfied always and immediately, that immediate gratification, it's, that's at odds with, you know, who I am, but I love it because I know that I will, I'm never finished. Right. I've actually made comments like this and I think I I sound like a broken record, but it is true. If you want to have a career in cybersecurity, I'm going to be inclined to think the best fit personality is one that is curious the one that is loves solving puzzles, right? Like those people that like love, like getting the daily puzzle, whatever it is, those books back in the day. I don't even know if they sell those books anymore. Daily puzzle right here. There you go. See, literally every day my team cracks up because I do this daily puzzle. It's, it's just a calendar. I have to solve it every day. And I, I get more days. I don't solve more days than I do solve. And it's frustrating as hell, but you're spot on. Uh, with curiosity. Um, and, but, but it's also, you got to be satisfied with um, you're never finished. And yes. that's something that's difficult for people. Um, I'm not, I'm not even going to talk about generational, but just people in general, they want to see the end and you have to make um, discrete ends. Like, like you're never going to be finished. You have to go, here's my mile marker and go there because the run's never going to stop. You just have to make that mile marker and then make the next mile marker. And that's a mindset that some people can't, um, can't deal with very well. That's true. It's almost like that satisfaction of, um, and I remember a joke I used to say back in the day, which was, you know, how often do you get the phone call that says, gee, thank you for protecting my network today. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, No, you don't ever know that. You brought up something kind of fun because I don't know. You said your team knows about your puzzle and that you do that, yeah. right? Um, and I mean, oddly enough, but there are quite a few folks we've talked to and also CISO roles that we, if you talk to their team, they can't really say much about that their CISO personally. And I've heard Ooh. some people tell me, 
you know, I don't like to go to my CISO and ask questions. I said, why not? You know, you should go build a relationship with that person. Yeah. Well, a little scared, don't really know them. So curious, do you, you know, for, for your team and the culture that you build or, or want to have, is it important to you that um, it's not just all professional all the time, but there is some of that personal bonding and sharing to get people to warm up and so I'll give you a little bit of a journey. Um, when I was in my twenties, I was very robotic. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I don't care about your personal life. I'm paying you to show up to work and do your job. I don't care that your girlfriend broke up with you. I don't care that your grandma died. Like, get your shit together and do your job. Um, and I remember specifically myself, I was on military duty, um, doing an exercise. So it wasn't even a deployment or anything. And, um, uh, my dad had called me and told me my grandmother was going to pass away in a couple hours, a couple weeks. And um, uh, I remember tearing up and kind of being upset. And then my boss saw me and said, Are you okay? You should go back to the hotel. And, and like, I snapped, I snapped back to it going, uh, and I apologize. I'm sorry for the unprofessionalism like this, uh, that should not happen. I'll deal with that after my shift. Let me finish my shift. And he's like, and, and it wasn't, he didn't, he wouldn't know how to handle that because he wasn't expecting that type of response, like someone, you know, someone that they're close to. And, um, uh, I look back at that now and I go, man, like that's, I, I understand how I was wired to mm-hmm. do be that person, but that's not, that wasn't healthy. Like a, a person that their entire life, you know, all 24 hours of the day have an impact on each. And when I'm frustrated at work and I come home and I'm upset and, and, you know, now that I have a daughter and my wife and, I want to be happy when I see them and I don't want to have to spend an hour to decompress the anger of my frustration. Well, and and on the inverse, if I have a bad day, I don't want to have to immediately go to work and have to put on a face, you know, a front. And so my team and I, we do a daily, uh, our daily standup and we do a daily um, uh, rating one to five. How are you doing? And when I first joined, they were just doing one to five, and the scores were twos and threes. I'm like, why are we so low? Like, like what's going on? And so I asked the team, I said, can we split these up? Can we do a personal rating and a professional rating? Because sometimes, you know, like, like this weekend, my shoulder is bothering me. So like I was a one personally, but that, that didn't affect my professionally. I was still good at three or four. Like, Hey, I'm happy with where we're at. So we started separating that. Now we can see the trends of, you know, when someone had a bad day at home, but they're looking forward to work or they're happy with what they're doing with work or they're underwater at work, but they're having a great day at home. So we can kind of balance those. Um, so I tried, try to blend those. I recognize that, I, you know, I'm not going to be friends with everyone I work with. I'm not going to go have barbecues at their house. I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to go do hobbies and stuff. Um, but understanding who they are um, and caring about that, but also being real and then to your point of asking questions, like I emphasize, I, I would like to so hopefully, hopefully just send an email to my my guy, my team, and ask them, um, to, is Sean like this? Because I would love to, you know, I'd love to validate it. But uh, um, I, I I tell them what's going on. I want them to have a safe place to fail. I want them to have a safe place to learn. And if 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 they're going to learn, that means they have to ask questions. I didn't get to this position because I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, well, I kind of but I fooled a lot of people on the way. So at least I'll teach them how to fool their people. Right. And so I want to help them uh, to your point. We talked about like how before the recording, how do we get the next generation to be CISOs? Well, 
If I don't share that and if I don't build my team up, they're not going to want to work for me for very long. And they're definitely not going to be a very good CISO. And at some point, they're going to be a peer of mine across the table at one of our conventions or conferences or whatever. And I'm like, man, you should not be a CISO. But, and that's because I didn't equip them. But I would love for every one of my team members uh, to sit across the table from me at a CISO conference um, or to be a guest on your show, you know, in the future. And, and it'd be one of those things where it's like, I feel like I've helped build the, or build, build the industry. And so, yeah, you, you have to know who I am and the joke, like this joke about the puzzle. Um, so it's, it's a it's a company from Denmark and it's a calendar and you have to move the pieces for every day of the year and um, to try to figure out the calendar. And so uh, we were in a serious meeting last week because they all know I only get like two or three days out of the whole week solved. And if I solve, if I solve it, and we're in a meeting, I'll hold it up on camera and then put it back down. And we, last week we were in like a very serious meeting and like, it wasn't, wasn't a good positive meeting. It was like, this is, this is not going well. And I happened to solve it. I'm like, Oh, cause I'll do it to take my mind off things. And I hold it up in camera. And one of my guys that works for me was like, <laughs> like didn't know how to respond. We were just joking about it today about it, but it was just one of those things. Like that's the levity of the situation. Like just have fun. I mean, that I don't even remember what the meeting was about, but I remember I solved the puzzle. So which one's going to last longer? You know, that, that personal connection, that fun thing that he saw um, or, or a boring meeting that he didn't want to be in. So. I think you've pointed out something and you're not saying it, but you're saying it is in the beginning, the way you shut down your emotion and then like immediately went, you know, task on hand, <clears throat> quite frankly, a, it is your personality to some degree, but it's also could it be argued the military too also kind of teaches you to kind of focus on task on hand? Was there a little bit of the training kind of kicking in a little bit, you think? Um, yeah, that's a possibility. I mean, you definitely have to be, I think that, uh, um, I won't, I don't think that, well, let me be straight up honest. I think that I am emotionally superior to people who cannot block out their feelings. And that, that's arrogant. I recognize that. And I don't mean that I don't mean shut them off and, and have no feelings because that's used to that used to be what I think. You should not have any feelings at work. Like, no, no, no. There's a time and a place that you need to separate the emotion and the feelings part of the job or part of your life to focus on the logic and just execute the job and get it done. And most of the time in the military, that's a realization because we're talking about people's lives talking about it's a different world we don't have that in the corporate environment so um to be in that same place is maybe not as critical but there's still times where you just have to get work done like sorry sorry that you had to break up sorry that you had this like you're the person i need to help do this um and so i think there's a there's an ability to do it but that's also you know at the same time what i what i lose in that i need an emotional person like my wife is uh, we, we compliment each other in a lot of ways. She's that person for me. She has taught me to be a better person about other people because I used to be, if you're, uh, if you're not trying to improve, you're not worth being, let me tell you that everyone should be trying to improve at some level. If you're not trying to promote and become the next level, you, I don't want to work with you. And she kind of opened my eyes up. Like some people are just happy doing what they want to do. Some people just want to be helped us for the rest of their life. Some people just want to be network engineers for the rest of their life. That's they're happy. It's a it's a dependable job. It's they don't have to 
take on responsibilities of leading the team, things like that. Like those types of things, I have to recognize that. And then likewise, I have to recognize people that are bringing emotional value to the team that are passionate about something or um, can bring a human side to IT that I lack. And so I need that for people. So what I was about to say too to that then is, it sounds like to me, you've developed a much stronger EQ over the course of your career. And it sounds like to me, you're actually even instilling that within your team through your own journey. Is Do you think having that stronger EQ now that you know where you are today from where you're then, has that led you to be a better leader, you think? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I will say whatever EQ I had um, prior to my wife was um, what was there was an old TV show where people would you know, you'd analyze other people. Um, I can't think of the show, but basically like my assessment was like psychology book assessment of the other person. Mm-hmm. That was it. And I just, I classified them and put them, put them on the little chart and said, Oh, they're this type of person. They're this type of person. Mm-hmm. And I think I know they're going to, they're going to answer like this. So I don't even need to ask them. And I started, I was projecting, what I expected out of that person based off of my assessment. Um, and my wife probably multiplied my EQ 10 times, 10 X easily in, uh, I, I feel like I had some of this. It was, I would always, one of my first meetings, I'd always ask all my new employees or even, you know, regularly annual check. What do you want to be doing in a year and five years and in 10 years? Cause I want to help you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I might have asked that earlier on as, are you going to be valuable to me in a year? Or how do I get rid of you in a year? Where now it's, how do I help you get to that position? Because I want you to look back on this time fondly, you know, wherever that might be. And so, yeah, I think my EQ has definitely improved. Um, also, a very good friend of mine, Matt Connor, uh, he's the intelligence community CISO and uh, just a phenomenal guy. We had a lot of conversations. Uh, he he and I are very similar in things and very different in a lot of things. And, and we would have these conversations a lot about people. And because I was a very much you're dead to me type person. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he was like, well, what can you get out of them? Mm-hmm. Like, All right, that's fair. I should, I should, I should look at it that way, you know, rather rather than uh, you know, how do I how do I get rid of the person? Um, you know. And so, so we've had a lot of good conversations and I think that's with everyone, right? You find those mentors, you find those people you can talk to and learn. And if they're all just a carbon copy of you, you're not going to improve. Yeah, no, good points. And you mentioned, you know, kind of looking at five, 10 years from now, I mean, you've been a CISO now, third, fourth time, right? (laughs) Different type of companies, um, very different type of organizations. But then if you think about your future and, you know, do you keep, do you imagine you'll just continue to be a CISO or kind of what's next? What, what, what would you like to do at some point in time if it's not a CISO? Uh, No, that's pretty much it. Um, I think it used to be 10 years ago, everyone believed you had to be CIO. That that's the top of the pyramid. I don't think that's the case anymore. Now CISO it's we're a weird organization. I saw this recently on another podcast. They were talking about, you know, uh, we have the C letter, the CISO, but we don't report to the CEO like most other C mm-hmm. officers, right? The COO, yeah. the, et cetera. Um, should we, well, that's another conversation. That's, that's a whole nother podcast. Okay. 
I was going to say, do you think that's starting to change though more? Um, I do. And I actually saw an interesting article about, it was probably a year ago of, do you think the CIO should report to the CISO? I was like, whoa, that's an interesting concept. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. I was, I think it can work in some cases. I don't think it'd work in others. Um, I do think that there should be some more peering between the two, um, more so than reporting to. Uh, but that aside, I mean, that's the whole future. But for me, for for ten years now, CISO was the paramount. That's I don't want. I don't want to be a CIO. I don't want to be a CTO. I don't want to be that side. Now, there's definitely fantasies in my head. I'm going, man, if I was running that freaking team, I would have them doing this, 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 and this, because we, we security people need the ops people to do certain things. Mm -hmm. They have a security responsibility in our relationship to help build out the security capabilities. And so um, sometimes I fantasize about being in charge of the infrastructure team or whatever, the development team. I don't know anything about development, but I'm like, if I was in charge of them, this would be a priority. And I'd probably break all the apps that were coming out, of course, because I'm a security person. But um, no, CISO is where I want to be. For me, that's the that's my career. Like, you know, maybe a different company. I don't know how long I'll be here um, for a few years at least. Uh, we're doing some really awesome things at World Fuel, so I like it. Uh, I do see, and one of the things I'm trying to prepare for is um, I, I think... And if anybody's looking for one, hit me up on LinkedIn. But uh, I do think that CISOs will become uh, board advisors or uh, even board members um, significantly more in the next two to five years. Um, I just don't think that, you know, whether it's the audit committee or the tech and ops committees on boards for publicly traded companies or even private companies that have boards. Um, I think that that's the next big push because they don't have true security people. Most of the time, there's absolutely, there's some security smart board members. Um, But for the most part, they don't have a security person to kind of validate some of the things. And with the shortage of CISOs or even VCISOs and part-time CISOs or or all these other kind of hybrid stuff where companies don't have it, I could see some sort of advisory uh, role to that in the future. That's that's my retirement gig. My wife knows my retirement means I'm still doing security. It's just on my calendar, not the employer's calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, advisory work I see in the future, just uh, looking at the problems and helping people solve them, not necessarily leading the team that's going to solve them, but just kind of giving them a different way to think about things or um, giving some of that business context to cybersecurity professionals that they, that they don't map out very well right now. Dude, yeah. I like I like the cut of your jib, man. That totally makes one hundred percent sense. Yeah, and I've said this before in many other podcasts. Is this if you are a business today, you are a technology company, mm-hmm. and guess what? If you've got an IP address, you are vulnerable. Who do you have that's security minded on your board? You nailed it. I yeah, I, I think you're very wise, Mr. Sean. Well, well, so I don't think you had a stat. Well, that was, was it 40%? I don't know when it was that you mentioned that, that you said about 40%, right? Um, have boards have a dedicated cybersecurity person. Um, yeah, I remember. So there's a few different things on it. And, and I don't know if they're going to be a full-fledged board member. Um, not not today. Not, not, I don't think, I think that'll be 2025 and on. 
Um, okay. Because it's too, that's too narrow. Uh, mm-hmm. to, I mean, if we look at the board, you know, board directors, what are the responsibilities? You know, it's the fiduciary responsibility of the shareholders and the customers and stuff like that. So, so there's, there's a lot more to it. And you generally want um, a full-fledged board member that can manage the totality of the of the company's responsibilities. You know, obviously they're not going to understand every aspect of it. That's why you have, you know, six, 12 board members, whatever it is. Um, I do think that will become the case in the future, but the reality is in the next two years or so, I think it will be advisors just because they don't quite see um, exactly what you mentioned, Sia, of, of how much technology is depending on it. You, know, you got to think also there's, there's, there is a generational gap, you know, in the sense of most board members are, are not as tech savvy as, um, as they will be in, in five or 10 years. So not, so maybe you should start not capable, but yeah, no, but maybe you start an advisory org for CISOs to be able to go on call to advise accordingly. I mean, I think you've got a million dollar business, my friend, you just uh, need to articulate it and get it going. Yeah. I, my concern with that would be, I mean, I like, I love, trust me, I love the idea, although I don't ever want to run a business. Um, uh, the, my concern with that would be you just become another Deloitte, uh, PwC, et cetera. And Deloitte, I mean, they they do their job well. They do their job well. Um, and, and that's part of this, part of being advisors and stuff like that. But they cover the whole gambit of their audit and their advisory pieces of it. And um, uh, you, I still, I still need... A, an independent company to come in and do an audit and an assessment of my my of my organization and say, hey, you are a cybersecurity framework, you know, level two, despite what you think, you think you're a three, you know, I need that. And that's not, um, I think that would be the concern about starting like a consulting firm rather than having a dedicated uh, advisor to each specific company. Um, because you really, you don't want a generalist, you don't want a cybersecurity generalist, you want to be you know, when you, when you have a board member now, they know your company in and out. Um, and I think a lot of the consulting companies, they know their function in and out and then they apply it to your company and you really want that other way around. So I think that's where the advisor, um, not saying that we can't achieve what you're going for. If there's a company out there that wants to start it and do all the administrative part of it, I'll be hired. I'm fine with that. I don't want to do all that, the admin part of a company, but uh, um, I, I would just be concerned that uh, as a company, if I'm hiring one of those people, they don't really care about my company as much as advising. There's a yeah. lot of money being made in prolonging the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, you said earlier when we first started talking today, you, you talked about just, you know, within security, there's just always going to be problems. We're never going to solve them. Oh, always. You know, it's about making certain steps towards. Well, knowing that and knowing that burnout's a thing (laughs) last year, I think too, especially with the pandemic, but, you know, thinking about your role and everything going on, um, what do you, what do you do to avoid burnout and, or if it gets to that point, what are things you do to just recharge or try not to get too far in burnout? Um, so, uh, so my, ho- my hobbies used to be sports. I played a lot of sports, played a lot of soccer, baseball, football. Um, uh, I mean, I, I played a lot of soccer. I was playing six games a week of soccer, um, up until about two years ago when I moved from DC and it was just largely cause I didn't find teams here. 
Um, but my hobby in the last couple of years, again, thank, thanks to my wife, uh, skydiving. Um, mm. uh, so I, I, I often joke, a uh, good friend of mine, uh, uh, Juan, he's the CISO for Lennar. We always, he, we always, joke, he always gives me a hard time about it. Cause I joke, I said, if your CISO is not managing risk as their hobby, are they really going to care about managing risk for your company? And he just, he cracks up at that because he's not ever going to skydive. I said, but that's what I do. That's my hobby. Like I jump out of a plane and land on the ground safely. That's managing risk. And, um, but, but reality is if I'm, if I'm putting on my rig, uh, and I'm thinking about work, my priorities are definitely wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. I should definitely be thinking about landing safely on the earth and not trying to turn it into a golf ball. Um, so trying to find that right balance of what can take me away from work. Um, my daughter's uh, almost 20 months old and I have a son on the way. So they, she's definitely a massive distraction right now. Uh, cause she's very good at, uh, distracting me and my wife, uh, both positive and, and sometimes frustration wise. Um, so it's, uh, it, that, that's, that's my breakdown is, is I can shut off the computer. But there are definitely nights at midnight where I ch- oh, let me go check my computer real quick before I go to bed. This is where the passion comes in. Like for me, I generally love cybersecurity. I I don't know how many days or weekend nights or weekends that I've sent an email or a Slack or a Teams message to my guys and gals saying, "Hey, do you see this video?" And like, "What are you doing watching a video on YouTube about you know Microsoft security?" So I'm like, "Well, it just pop like." That's what I do. I like it. It's interesting. It, it's it's fun to me. It's legitimately fun. Um, so I'll play an hour of video games or two or three, depending on how often my wife is coming into the room. And then I'll turn on to YouTube and watch some security videos or whatever it might be. But um, I genuinely just love this stuff. So I don't get burnt out necessarily with the problem. I might get burnt out with some of the company struggles and stuff like that that we all face and um, uh, I encourage my team to take time off to go do something. If you don't love cybersecurity as much as I do, don't spend all your day trying to fake it and read Reddit posts and LinkedIn and all that stuff. Go do something else. Um, I'd much rather you be happy getting away from the job so that when you come back, I'd get the most out of you. But uh, for me, getting away from the job just means learning it for fun, not doing it because it's an obligation. Well, that makes absolute sense. I mean, but let's be honest, reading Reddit posts is a lot of fun and can be a heck of a lot of fun. (laughs) The comments, the comments sections are gold. Yeah, Yeah. it really are. Kind of live for the comments. So if you want to comment on the podcast, guys, you're welcome to. I mean, you're, you're, I will say your passion definitely comes through. I mean, I think a lot of people have gotten to see you on, you know, speaking elsewhere, but um, I guess question for you though thinking back through just you know growing up child and everything else was that passion always there um i mean did you always have it in you I'm and i'm always, I'm always curious but not this okay that's yeah. fair yeah but i mean that um uh i will admit i'm a perfectionist like so that mm-hmm. there is that like i want to be good at things yeah. Um, you know, and, and I'll analyze things that I, I feel like not a lot of people do. Like I remember, I remember in soccer one day, um, a, a teammate told me this and they said, man, I would not, this, you know, this is where you guys get to show some pity for my wife, but you know, I was single at the time. And one of the people said, man, I, I just could not be that guy's girlfriend. 
did you hear what he said about that person? Like he's got to be so nitpicky. And they were talking about, like, but I was a goal, I'm a goalkeeper. So like mm-hmm. I was watching what they were commenting on was I was watching the person's hips as he was moving. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that they were, I did not watch them beforehand, but I was like, they're left footed. Like they're keep trying to move and get the ball back to their left foot. So close off the left foot to force, you know, I was trying to force the play to do the right thing. I think a lot of amateur level players, they just play the ball and they don't play the person and they weren't analyzing that level where I'm sitting there going, okay, well, their ankle twists this way and they're doing this. And I'm like hyper analyzing the most minute, you know, minutiae points of that person. And they made this comment like that guy's got to be. And admittedly, I am that person. My wife, you know, it's a joke. Actually, Matt Connor and um, my wife had dubbed because we all work together. They had dubbed don't shun it. Don't shun that. Oh, you're shunning it again. And because I get so ingrained into the smallest thing, like why is the spacing on that two millimeters and not three? And people are like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. Like, but I get so locked in on those tiny little things that I kind of sometimes I, I don't see the forest through the trees. Um, and so, thankfully, I you know I have people that have helped me on that. So that's that is a conscious effort. I have to sometimes back off, especially when it's my team. Like I, I, so I want to get in and just fix, I want mm. do, do, do this, do, do this. And I'm, I'm always in, in so tight and I have to consciously tell myself like back way up, like just, just let that person defend that defender the way they want. Like just you do, you let that person do that. And then, you know, same with work. And so that was, that was something, um, that for me, I think growing up, that's always been me, you know, whether it's baseball or, or like, I, I'm the person that would analyze a video of me. I would spend three minutes on slow-mo on one, one movement. Like, okay, why is my, you know, especially after having surgery, I've had shoulder surgeries, hand surgery, elbow, all this other stuff. So I'm constantly analyzing me and that sometimes bleeds over into other parts of life. And, and I think for IT security, that's good. Um, mm-hmm. as long as I know when to raise up because I can't get into the weeds with the board or with my boss or the CEO, like those people don't, they don't care about that. No, they don't care for that. Yeah. You know, you reminded me, you know, what it reminded me of, do you guys ever watch the movie Sherlock? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the, the Robert Downey Jr. One where his fight scene. Yes. I, like what you're describing. Yeah. I'm like, I'm totally listening to the fight scene right now. <laughs> so it's funny. Um, a good friend of mine, Louis, aware, by the way, well, so, so, uh, I'll, let me touch on that real quick. But so Louis Armendariz and I, a very good friend of mine, uh, when I was in my 20s, when I was an engineer, we fought, like we trained martial arts together and did all this stuff. And we had this exact conversation. This is well before the Sherlock Holmes movie came out. We had this conversation because he also races cars. Mm-hmm. I said, when you race a car, do you, how, how do you picture it? Do you do this or do you mentally leave the vehicle and look over the side for where the line is on the racetrack? Mm-hmm. He goes, no, I look through the win- windshield. I'm like, yeah, but I'm trying to picture what, where's the line over there? He goes, why? You can't see that. I'm like, yeah, but I want to be aware of what's over there. And we talked about the same thing in fighting. I said, do you like, if you're standing like this, do you start assessing these, these, these things? And like, you know, like chess, do you picture three moves ahead or six moves ahead? And then the conversation got into, well, most chess masters play just the next move that the whole three, five, 10 moves ahead is kind of a, they have plays for all of those, but you have to think the next move and then you might think of 10 next moves and then all the moves after that. Um, and that was what kind of changed my mindset. But yeah, that was exactly, I think like if, you know, and that's saying with cybersecurity, right? That's root cause analysis of, uh, or well, that's predictive playbooks for instant response so that you could do analysis on root cause. So if this happens, then this, if this happens, then this, and the more, if this, 
in your head, the better prepared you are. And that was kind of like how I thought through things. I might not be right. I might not guess the right thing, you know, the first try, but it's one of my 10 predictions. And I've worked out the solution for the next 10 predictions. Uh, to your comment about self-aware, um, and I think this ties into his comment on curiosity. Um, I think uh, in cybersecurity, I think in general, people, this is kind of like, you know what I want to uh, raise my children with or whatever. But I think uh, being insatiably curious is a key to being successful in life in general. You're always going to want to learn. Um, you're going to want to just understand how things work, et cetera. And, and that same with cybersecurity. Um, I think being acutely self-aware of what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. Like I know if you ask me to name a song or a musical note or a dance move, I'm out. Like just <laughs> don't, don't bother asking me that. Like I know that's not my forte and, and, and you can spend time trying to max to improve your uh, deficits, or you can find people that complement it. And that's kind of my approach is let me find someone who can cover those down. And now I know who that person is. Um, but I think that requires you to be self-aware. And that's also, you know, knowing your weaknesses, knowing your strengths, mm -hmm. uh, knowing what you can improve, what, what, where you can get a positive ROI um, on that stuff. And I think self-aware is, is one of those key things. And then the last thing I say is critical thinking mm -hmm. um, because you can learn all day and you can be self-aware, but if you can't think yourself, think your way out of a paper bag, like whew, you're not going to help anybody. So uh, I think that, and and that's one of those things I think critical thinking skills is um, it's, it's, it can be taught. Uh, uh, you just have to iterate that process several times so that people can start thinking. I think uh, like agile um, mentality, like when you use agile uh, methodologies, the, one of the key things is planning, you know, uh, you know, old adage of Abraham Lincoln said, if you give me six hours to cut down a tree, I'm going to spend four hours sharpening my ax. Um, that, that mindset is planning. That's, that's really what that's about is spending four hours planning for a two hour job. And the more we spend time planning, which let's face it, cybersecurity people don't have time to plan because we're just constantly responding to everything. Mm -hmm. But the more time we teach and enforce that planning effort, the better our critical thinking skills become. That that's that's one of the things I, I really try to push home is spend time planning. And and the more accurate your planning is, the better your critical thinking skills will be. Oh, I love that. It's that predictability in a non-predictable environment that helps, I think, eases you mentally too, to because if you're better prepared, it may be a, you know, something hit the fan, but at least you and your team can say, oh, guys, scenario 40. 350 beads it's happening guys we got it yeah and i love that yeah no when when uh fc distribution is what you're going for uh <laughs> yeah when when that happens you want to have as much that pre-planning mm -hmm. uh was it uh eisenhower said uh plans are useless but planning is indispensable and that that's the key is right the more you iterate your planning the better your critical thinking and you're able to respond and, and, and adapt to the problem you had so many just, I, I don't know, like for lack of better words, good nuggets to share and just takeaways, right? It's it's clear to see all I am. How, um, how you're such a good leader, how you're a teacher and trainer just from this conversation. It, I uh, don't be surprised if we package this up and it's part of leadership training that we share with them. Um, the, the group that are our talent pool, right. That we're trying to get into cybersecurity because, you know, I think people say leadership's hard to be taught. You, you know, you kind of just go into it or 
learn it on the job, but you've uncovered so much that I think could be so helpful for people who are trying to get into leadership roles. I don't know I appreciate if you that. that impact. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's, um, uh, and you know, uh, I could I could blame it on a lot of people, my dad and and my coworkers and my bosses. Um, I've named off a few of them, Lee, uh, Louis and, and Matt, and even coworkers I've worked with have just we've we, you you can't replace experience. As smart as you can be, you can't replace experience. And so, unfortunately, there's a, there is some experience requirements to become a a, a seasoned leader. Um, and some people are naturally leaders, but yeah, I think that there's a lot of learning that goes on to it too. Um, you have to be, um, uh, intellectually humble enough to be willing to learn something new every day. Uh, you can't teach something that some can't teach someone something they think they already know. Um, and I recognize that I suck at a lot of things. Um, so that gives me lots of opportunity to learn. Uh, and, and, and thankfully I don't forget a lot of things. So I will read something and go, Oh, that's useful. Um, and then I'll, I'll respond back to it. And the problem I have is sometimes I'll forget them in the heat of the moment. So I definitely have my, um, daily quotes. I have a whole list of quotes that I, I keep and I always try to go back and read them every once in a while, or, or I'll have to re I'll have to have a reminder of something. So I'll set some, a reminder out just kind of going, I got to think about this, remember to do this, uh, whatever it is, um, because sometimes I don't, uh, right. I don't do those. Well, Ultimately, with experience comes wisdom, mm-hmm. right? Because you can read the facts all day. You can read facts all day long, but if you don't tie an emotional connection to it, that you can extrapolate it and make it pull it back to a higher level. I mean, that's what wisdom's all about. So that's, I mean, that's exactly what you're describing. Uh, it's pretty awesome, though, because you're and by the wisdom is also understanding that you're gonna have to constantly evolve and sometimes pivot a way of thinking too, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. See that friends episode. <laughs> pivot. Yeah, pivot. pivot. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that I think you're spot on. I think it's um so I think that goes back to that planning phase or what I in my head I'm constantly picturing things. I think when I brief uh, you know, like I just recently briefed a uh, uh, high level overview of my my 90 day uh observations and strategy to my boss. And I think I briefed it to him a thousand times in my head and I was prepared for 5,000 questions and I didn't get any of them. And then mm-hmm. I, he gave me, he's like, well, I think you should do this and this and this. And they were nothing I had thought through, which, I mean, Jeff Smith, my boss, phenomenal leader um, coming up with some great ideas on stuff. And so like I was, he, he gave me some ideas. I'm like, okay. But because I went through so many iterations in my head, I was prepared for the answer to answer what he brought up, even though I did not prepare that specific question. I was prepared for that because I went through that iteration. I think that's, that's one thing I do. That's, that's my free time as constant. I, I walk through the thousand different things that could happen uh, and how do I respond to them? So, I, and I think that's naturally cybersecurity, right? We take mm-hmm. the thousand possible threats and then we prioritize them, which one's the most likely, which one's the most impactful. And then we start, building out our playbooks on that. And that's, I just kind of do that same thing in my head. Okay. Sherlock again. Okay. Sherlock, the Sherlock of cybersecurity right here. Oh no, no, Far from that. 
I want to just thank you for just being so real with us today. Um, I guess before we wrap up, any other pearls of wisdom that you want to drop with the audience? <laughs> no, um, I'll, I'll give a plug for uh, my team at uh, World Fuel. You know, we're doing a lot of good things with um, cloud technology right now. We, we've uh, got rid of 20 of our 22 data centers in the last two years. We're getting rid of the last two this year. We're going full cloud uh, we have several applications, lots of really cool applications. Uh, you look up what we do, World Fuel, we do a lot of different things for uh, traditional fields, but we also do a lot of um, uh, plant aviation planning and we do some uh, sustainability stuff with uh, solar and, and wind farms. Um, but the amount of applications we develop in-house is incre- it was incredibly surprising to me as I came on. And uh, the cloud stuff that we're doing is very advanced. Um, uh, right on the right on the cutting edge, and so we are definitely hiring uh, cloud engineers, application developers, uh, product managers, and lots of cybersecurity positions. Um, whether they're engineers, solution architects, um, SOC analysts, whatever, um, we're we're doing some fun stuff. So feel free to reach out or take a look at what we have, and, and let me know if you're interested. Hey, Sean, awesome. Sean, Sean, I have a friend I'd like you to meet. Her name is Leah. <laughs> I think you should talk to Leah. No, I thank you for saying that, by the way, your initiatives um, in cloud, it, yeah, it's, you are definitely cutting edge. It's funny to think, right, that being a CISO who um, initiates cloud, you know, implementations and as part of the strategy, that that, like, marks you up on innovation, right? Um, At least that's what they say. So that is, that's really cool, though. So they're initiating it. I'm just along for the ride. I don't, I don't want to take that credit from them, but yeah, no, they're doing some good stuff, but yeah, it's, it, for me, uh, I've been lucky. My previous company, we were uh, 90, 95% in the cloud. Our applications were all cloud-based. Um, and, and then what we were doing in the Intel agency I worked at prior to leaving the government, we were doing a very heavy cloud uh, push at the time. Um, and so it, to me, it's kind of been natural for the last five years to be in the cloud and, and thinking about the cloud and how to work through it. Um, but I'm still amazed at how many people are not quite there yet for various reasons. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, uh, based off of our peers, I mm-hmm. think that we are in the cutting edge based off of the technology hype cycle. Uh, we are on par and, yeah. and that's, that's disappointing that so many companies are not quite there yet. It is, but how fun for you that you get to be part of this hype cycle and, you know, moving forward on the cloud. That's exciting. It is exciting. So to make it even more exciting, Sean, because as I've learned this very quickly, I tried to Google fool you like a mofo and (laughs) didn't find a lot about you. So for those that do want to learn more about you or get hold of you or just learn more about your life in general, I mean, is there a way that they can get a hold of you? Yeah, LinkedIn. Um, I'll tell you the cheat is you got to put my middle initial in, uh, wow. and then you'll find me a lot easier. Um, but yeah, so uh, if you search Sean M. Bowen or S. M. Bowen uh, on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever, you'll find me. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn pretty much every day, uh, so that's probably the best way to get old me. Um, I think I think it's a good forum. I know it's social media and all that, mm-hmm. but I think it's a good forum. Lots of learning, lots of good people out there that are constantly sharing. Uh, variety of cybersecurity tips and, and tricks who are just asking questions and then conversations happen from that. Um, uh, I think that if you spend time to curate your LinkedIn algorithms, 
uh, it can be very beneficial. So that's kind of where I spend most of my time. Awesome. And, you know, I've never done this before. So see it, don't hate me, <laughs> but I would do want to just a quick shout out to David Spark, who I know has his own <laughs> set of CISO podcasts, which is different um, topic coverings, but um, he's quirky and fun and he's just amazing. So that, because I know you've been on some of his episodes and we'll be on more and that's basically how I came across you. And again, thank you for reciprocating and being on the show with us today. It was amazing conversation. We'd like to have you back again. Yeah, I appreciate it. No, I th- and Davis Park's doing some good stuff. And, and I think you're spot on on uh, you're covering a gap. And there's a handful of uh, podcasts out there that I think are really good. Um, and I think just kind of thinking through how leaders think, which is really kind of what you're getting into. That's our diary, right? How we think and what we're thinking about. I think is very uh, is a huge value add, especially for the people that are trying to get into mindsets. And and I hope uh, the CISOs listening uh, have a safe place for their team members to ask questions and and to learn. Um, and for those that are out there that are working for CISOs that aren't like that, there are those of us out here that really want you to ask questions. So if your CISO won't answer your question, ask me. I'll answer it. Ooh Thank Someone, you for being such a good leader in the industry. It's all, I mean, just incredible. Yeah, <laughs> it is awesome. There's, there's several. I'll give you lots of names. Chris Zell, uh, uh, Juan Gomez, Matt Connor. I mean, there's a lot of us out there. I'll, I'll forget, I'll, I won't name them all because there's a lot that I I regularly tag uh, in my posts because I know that their comments are going to be are going to be gold. Oh, I love it. Awesome. You know what? So we totally respect your time and you've been so helpful for sure. We're just going to keep stalking you till you get back on our show again. Leah, I think uh, on that note, let's close out this awesome latest entry with Sean Bowen. Sean M. Bowen. Sean M. For those Bowen. that would like to get a hold of him. And uh, thanks for joining the CISO Diary. Thank you Thank so you. much, Sean. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. See ya. See ya.